Amen. It's hard to go anywhere after all that. Amen. It's like you ought to close in prayer and say, you know, um, I'm glad that you're here. And I thank God for those who are here by way of podcast. I do want to say because the numbers are increasing. I know the other night 280 some had hit the podcast for last week's sermon that was nowhere, no way politically correct. I have no intention on being politically correct. Amen. I have every intention of being obedient to God. How's that? Amen. Let him do what he wants to do with it. So amen. I'm excited that uh, we're here together and it takes uh, varying ingredients sometimes to bring in the certain things that God wants to do and say to a people. And uh, today is a special day for us. We've come to the Lord's house. Amen. But more importantly, I pray that the Holy Spirit has come to your house, your temple, your body, and made himself known. Amen. I have some friends in the crowd, and I won't call them out, but amen. I have, well, yes, I might too. Crystal, it's so good to see you and your lovely husband. Amen. Hey, this is our classmate from high school. <laughs> we went to high school together, and she, man, you had, I mean, over the years when I've thought of you, it's just, you always love the Lord, and wow. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Isn't that great? <laughs> Oh, classmates, we haven't seen each other, I mean, maybe here or there, but amen, amen, isn't it great? Now, I seen Tamara up there singing, I said, whoa, wait a second, is your mom Crystal? And she said, yes, so amen, we're just glad to have you in service, and everybody that's here, I have also friends, I won't embarrass them, they would really get after me if I did, if I said their name, but anyway, if you have your Bible with you, would you please open to the book of Galatians, um, I'm very excited to share this word this morning, I believe it'll be very practical, and I want to say by way of podcast that if you listen to this message by podcast and you're local, in no way do I want the podcast sermon to replace the, the opportunity for you to come and assemble yourselves together and see what it feels like as we worship God, praise God together, to have Him do something in the midst of us that cannot be done otherwise. This is the reasoning that we come together. We are the body of Jesus Christ. He is the head, we are the body, and he functions through his body as the head from heaven and is still effective in the earth as he was 2,000 years ago. Amen. And we're expecting a second uh, coming of Christ regardless of who believe it and who doesn't. Amen. We're still hoping for it and waiting on it. It could be any day. Amen. Do you really believe that? I don't know. One night I was standing in front of a strip, strip club with nine feet across beside me. I was preaching the gospel and a lady pulled up. It was very cold that night. I'd pulled a hoodie over my head and it was extremely cold. She pulled up in her car, rolled the window down and said to me, do you really think you're doing any good for God? I said, may I ask you a question? Are you a Christian? She said, yes, I am. I go to such and such a church. And I didn't want to say back, but the truth is just because you go to such and such church doesn't prove to me you're a Christian yet. But the second thing I asked was, do you believe God could return just at any moment? She said, well, of course I do. I said, no, you don't, or you wouldn't think what I'm doing is all that foolish. 
The Bible said that the preaching of the cross was foolishness to those who perish. And if you believe preaching the cross, which is contrary to all of humanity and all of the thinking of mankind is foolish, it's your first warning. You could be perishing before God. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles open to Galatians chapter 6, let's take a look at defending our faith. God gives through the Apostle Paul distinct information, and it's more than information. It's an equipping of the saints. It's the responsibility of a pastor is to equip the saints with the Word of God. It's how they defend themselves in a world full of the wiles of the adversary, the devil, the pains, the trouble. And so they're equipped by the Word of God, which strengthens you and brings you together. Do you ever notice how God can bring you to service like this and just change your mind about everything? In other words, before you got here, you might have been fighting with your brother or sister. You might have been fighting with a husband or a wife. And then, you know, you ever do this? Come on, let's get real with it. You ever do this? Like you're on your way to church and you're really kind of like quiet because you're fighting. You know what I mean? But as soon as you get in the church parking lot and you open the door on your vehicle, it's like your Jesus mask goes on. You know what I mean? And, and it goes from total silence, not talking to one another, to the first one that says, how are you doing? You go, great, brother. I'm doing great. You know what I mean? Huh? Now, everybody's laughing because you've done that. I mean, you had to put on your Jesus face. Amen. And so, We've taught some really bad habits in church. You know what I mean? So we need to get real. We're, we're preaching to a world today that wants reality, especially the, the groups that I'm circulating among, which are college age level. They want not a definition of Christianity, but a demonstration where they apply the Word of God, not only to their life, but to a generation who's dying and lost. This is not a generation without hope. This generation has ever hope that God has ever promised to any generations after the blood work of Christ. And so this generation is the greatest generation on the scene to do exactly what God asked them to do and be obedient to His will. I don't care what's going on around us. The darker it gets, the stronger it gets, and the easier it is for you to testify the light of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, I've got to get on or I'll just want to preach. Amen. Chapter 6, verse 10 of the book of Ephesians. If you please read with me. Chapter 10 of Ephesians. I'm sorry. Chapter 6, verse 10 of Ephesians. Finally, my brethren. Did I do that right? Is everybody? Oh, I'm sorry. It is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. I was thinking about all of it. Amen. I almost brought the iPad up here. It would have been dangerous then for you, but I eased up with this. Amen. Okay. Chapter 6, verse 10 of uh, Ephesians. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle. Would you say with me, wrestle? It shows you how this thing goes. Not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, and against rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, in other words, in view of the fact, because it's a wrestling event, take unto you the whole armor of God. How would you like to be in a wrestling event and not have what you need? You'd be in big trouble. And sometimes this is, this is viewed, I've been taught this, these verses, and I want to give you a real practical application. There's so much, so much teaching that's almost uh, superstition. And so please hear me if you've heard this talk before. Please, let's pay close attention to the Word of God. Wherefore, take to you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand. Would you say with me, stand? It's important when you wrestle that you keep standing. Once you go to the ground, you're in trouble. 
If you wrestle and you get taken to the ground, you are in trouble. Here we go. In the evil day. You've got to be able to withstand an evil day. Do you agree that we live in an evil day? Yes. Amen. An evil age. Okay. Great. I'm excited for it. Amen. Let's get the job done in an evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Have you ever stood so long you didn't know if you could stand anymore? Amen. We've done that. Let's just really apply this. Therefore, having your loins girt about with what? Truth. Number one. Having the breastplate of number two, righteousness. And your feet shod with number three, the gospel of peace. And above all, would you say with me, the shield of faith, which is my preaching today. Why? That you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is... The Word of God. There's some distinct language here by the Apostle Paul writing to us a passage on how to defend not just the Christian faith in its, in its prefix, if you will, with, with this shield that goes up, but when you encompass salvation, you think of the faith which was once delivered to the saints. So within the faith, I want to see somebody defended. And the reality for me is I've been visiting like jail cells. I've been on the streets. And I've seen a whole bunch of people that just loved God and had a common salvation, but just weren't doing a very great job of wrestling against the adversary, the devil. Amen? And if you're feeling really good about how you've wrestled, can I say one thing to you scripturally? That the devils deceive the whole world. That means every one of us here from the front to the back have at least at one time been deceived by the devil. And if today you walk into this church and you say, the adversary tricked me one more time and tossed me to the ground, can I say you when you leave here today, you're going to be equipped a little bit better with the Word of God in knowing how to defend yourself against the tactics and the wiles of someone who's called the devil and he's been a liar from the beginning. There's no truth in him. You ever notice how he'll try to mix something you know to be true in God and twist it up, get you to back up and look around. But why in this text does Paul teach us? He starts out with finally. Like he's ending it before he starts. The most important part of this text starts before he even tells you how to arm yourself. And he said, finally, my brother, and he's speaking to brothers, be strong in the Lord. In other words, there's no other spot if I'm teaching you to defend yourself. Have you ever found yourself in a position just like, man, I believe in Jesus. I know I'm born again, but I don't know what's going on here. I'm really confused. I'm being hit on every side. Huh? I mean, if you think about this from the devil's perspective, do you know what he's after? I mean, we need to talk about this. What is he after? He's after something in you. Like he wants you. And did you ever notice that when you came to Christ, it seemed like the, the battle increased? Amen to that. I remember, and Crystal would remember, I was born again at 17, and I was just sure that on a Friday night when I was born again, I was that week I was like, man, peace and joy, something just happened in me. Like I got a new heart. Before that, I'm full of anger. Just everything, everything that's normal to mankind without Christ. But on a Monday morning, I haul the Bible to school, and every teacher says, you're crazy. What we lack is not, not Christian preaching. We lack Christians. 
We have a country full of unbelieving believers filling pews all over the place that have never been born again and regenerate to the place. They don't care what anyone thinks. That there's the love of Christ abounding in them to such a degree it overthrew everything else you ever knew about yourself or anybody else. And if what you know about yourself in God is true, then you'll multiply it and give it to somebody else. Do they want what you've got? Does everyone around you want what you've got? I mean, are you seeing people that say, you have such light in God, I want what you have. Do they call you with their problem? Do they call you with their prayer? I mean, I'm challenging all of us. Do we, are we the light and the salt? What's the devil after? Oh, it's real quiet in here. Man, I can walk into places like even this week, and when I look in the eyes of men and women, and I see these, man, I see information given to them that just blows their life away. It's like hitting them upside the head. It is tragedy. At times it's death. At times it's division in their home. They don't know which way to go. And I see those eyes when I leave. I don't think, man, I think, first off, this week I turned to a father and I said, do you want to know when I looked at your son what I seen? Do you want to know what I seen when I looked at him? As broken as he was, as hopeless as he looked, as unsure of his own life. You know what I seen? With all the place he was at in that moment, no hope. I seen me. I just seen me. And God, I said, what will I do with this? If I seen this, what will I do with this? Will I really pray in a way that bears the burden of somebody else? I mean, is all this armor only for me? Or is it for somebody else? And God, if I'm going to equip from the, from the place of being an under-shepherd on your sheep, and I'm going to equip them, can I teach them how? So that the coyote won't get them like this? Because this breaks my heart, God. I'm living in joy, and I'm living with my wife and my children, and I've got... But God, I'm not satisfied just having it for me. So man, the whole time Friday night and the next night, and I've been writing on that milk barn wall prayer requests, and I'm praying for eyes to be opened. Amen? I mean, I'm praying for blind eyes to open. Yeah, I'm praying for marriages that are broke up. Like, let's get real with this. To come back together because it's right. Amen. And I'm like after some areas. So if I do your wedding, amen, I'm going to come after you. And if you're a husband leaving, I'm going to say something like, go home to your wife and kids and do it, brother. I, huh? Oh, everyone, whoa, so come on. Hey, we can be hard on some stuff and easy on others. Let's get on all of it and get the reality of the truth of the gospel out here. Jesus Christ came to restore. He came to redo. He came to, come on. But what's happened? Finally, my brother, be strong. If we don't get strong in God, there's nowhere in our life we'll ever be strong. If we're not first strong in the Lord, if we don't first find our strength in the Lord, we will have no strength to wrestle against the adversary and his tactics. We will not wrestle against the wiles of the devil. No way will you stand. He will have you grappled on the ground. I've seen it multiples of times over and over and we ask these crazy questions out there in the world where we're sometimes estranged. Like, well, is this sin? Is it not sin? Where is it? 
We've got more questions about what's sin. We know it's sin. Get rid of it. Like, does it help you really defend yourself against the devil? Ask yourself that question when you look in the mirror. I get tired of answering those questions. I'm like, do you think this is a sin? Get over it. But you know it's a sin. Don't intellectually come to me and try to talk about it for three days. Talk to your friend down at work trying to figure out if you can get ten more people to agree with you what you're doing is right. It's wrong, bro. Get rid of it. Repent. Does it, let me ask you this. Does it help you against the wiles of the devil? Like, does the devil use this or does God use this for his glory? Try that. Does this help you defend your faith? We're quite here. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord. If we're not strong in the Lord first, we're finished. We're finished. There's been countless times in my own life, and I know yours, where if you didn't just go on your knees and find some strength in God that was just there and humble yourself before the mighty hand of God to see Him exalt you in due season, then we don't know the power of God. The power of God comes in the place of quietness and brokenness and closets. He said, if you'll pray in secret, then you can shout what you hear from the housetop. I mean, this is the reality of the gospel. It's not how intellectual we can make. Christianity, it wasn't that intellectual to the 11 that were left. They weren't debating over all these doctrinal theologies. Get rid of it. We've got more intellect, but do we have passion? Do we have a defense? Are we strong in the Lord? Are we bowing ourselves? And God's standing, making the weak strong. How are you doing on defending your faith? How are you doing defending? And what are you defending? The Bible tells us here, and He uses it as a helmet of salvation. A belt of truth shod with the gospel of peace. The shoes you... Now, this isn't just about like getting up in the morning and saying, okay, Lord, I'm putting my helmet on, my shoes... Come on, I've got some really good friends. They're probably going to listen to me. It's not really like that. Like, what's going on here? I'm after one verse and one text above all. Because he starts with finally be strong in the Lord. And the last verse that we get to that I want to focus on is above all, take the shield of faith. Now what's that look like to someone that's fighting pretty good? Because after all, the devil, what he's doing is taking fiery darts. So let's just imagine for a minute, and let's not imagine because it's true. Think about your own life. What kind of fiery darts are shot at you? And if you can imagine some of these uh, Roman uh, warriors, if you would, and they're all dressed up, and then all of a sudden they've got a big shield in front of them. Are you with me? This shield is used to defend what? The fiery darts. And so the devil is after, not the shield... He's after what's behind the shield, which is a breastplate of your righteousness. And what the devil loves to do is accuse you before God day and night. He likes to wrestle you in the areas of your life that you have failed before God. He wants to take you and accuse you day and night before God on the reasons why what you've got going on won't work or doesn't exist. But on the other side, you have Jesus saying, all things are possible. Amen. I mean, with faith, there's anything's possible with Jesus. Amen. And we're forgetting some of that in all this intellect and fancy theology. I mean, when's the last time you went and prayed for someone's blind eye to get opened up? We've got doctrine on every end of it. We've got some chasing the devil behind every refrigerator. We've got others that don't even know if the devil exists. We need balance. 
Because I could tell you the devil exists. I've been in treatment center preaching 14 years. I could show you the proof he exists. And the fruit that he wrecks lives. And destroys and steals and kills and ruins. And then I could show you the proof that Christ exists. I could show you a regenerate heart of a born again man or woman. Totally new creation. Heart change. Walking in God. Upright. At one time has 26 felonies. Ten years later is one of my best friends. And the gospel's made known. He's got a wife and child. Works. Are you with me? Leads worship in church. Are you? Come on. Now this is what God does with one who once wrestled and lost every fight to the devil. You can be a Christian and still find out you're losing the wrestling match. And the problem is in Genesis 15, God told us who the shield was. It's really important that we understand while we go to battle, what our shield is. Because after all, if this shield is going to defense against all... Not one, not two, not 70%, but every one of them. See, this shield is so wonderful that you could hold this shield up and no matter what battle you go into, this shield is going to defend against all the fiery darts of an adversary. It doesn't matter. It's death and divorce and pain and drug addiction. What does not matter? Go to do it. This shield is so wonderful. It covers everything that's behind the shield, which is you. You, what you doing this for, putting the shield in front of you, is because you have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus if you've been born again. And what the devil wants to get a shot at, he wants you to let the shield down that you know covers it all and get one good shot into the breastplate of your righteousness and you'll be staggered and spinning circles for a matter of, Time, who knows how long, trying to convince, because the devil's got you believing you're no longer righteous. He's finally got a fiery dart through as the shield. But keep in mind, the shield is what we're focused on. The truth is around the center of the body. And the gospel of peace is walking in the earth today in the saint that's been made righteous. You see the most deadly part, let's get real practical. The most deadly part is the center of the body. The most central part of the life for the saint is his righteousness. And if you think the devil isn't pulling back a bow to get one good shot at you every time he can, for years in treatment, what I began to learn to do is I'd spend time with men and women. And I said, if I could just hang out with you for a while and see what the devil's pattern is in your life, just change your pattern. That's the first step. The first step, I want you to change your pattern. Like if there's certain friends you get around, if there's certain music you listen to, if there's a certain thing that happens in your life that begins to become plan B so that you give yourself the excuse to run out and do what you know not to do, but you can't help it because you're not regenerate. You're still controlled by the devil and all of his wily ways. Are you with me? Then what they do is they come and get born again. Then all at once you've got somebody here. And then what happens, if you go to military, I'm still hearing, man, I'm hearing these stories of men and women who went to battle. I mean, I don't want to send someone out that hadn't had basic training. We almost in Christianity send them out without basic training. I mean, can you imagine being dropped off of a helicopter and you've got a SEAL Team uh, 6 unit and they're waiting to, to go on a particular mission and the poor guy that just got involved in the company has never been to basic training? Be bad. Now, can you imagine how these men feel who would be trained and, and to see him die in the midst of battle? 
And actually, there are stories just like this. That My friend that sang a song a few weeks ago met a man who was drinking in a homeless shelter. He had come out of the military, had no hope. He had shot a young girl and, and been given the, the very direction to do it, but he was wrestling the rest of his life with this guilt and this pain. He couldn't handle it. He was trying to drink it away. He was done. The devil got a fiery dart on his life that he couldn't handle. He had been wrestled to the ground by the adversary, now believing the lie. His life is spinning in circles for destruction until what? Until until God sends the saints of God in who've been made new by the blood of Christ. Where are we saints? We're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. You're the only lick that poor sinner could get a hold of and make them thirsty for Jesus. I mean, it's got to get real. What is this shield? Man, this shield's awesome. This shield, if you hold this shield up, I'm not telling you some of the time. I'm telling you every time. It will defend you. Every single time, this shield will defend you. You hold the shield up, the devil gets nothing through it. Hey, you've got other armor, so what? You hold this shield up, you don't need to worry about the other armor. It's finished. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. God gives the secret of who the shield is. After all, if you're going to fight in this life and wrestle, whether you like it or not, you'll find yourself in a wrestling match with life. But to the saint, he says, he says to Abraham in this text, I am thy shield. And once we realize that we have to finally, my brethren, find our strength in the Lord and then know that above all things, he is our shield. If you knew for sure, let me make this practical, this morning when you walked into your church, when you left, you knew for sure that God was between you and your situation. If you knew for sure that God was the shield between you and what you're wrestling with in the adversary's camp. If you knew for sure that God was going to stand between you and anything else in this life, and that you could be strong in Him, and that as long as you put Him between you and it, that it could not get through to you. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Can I tell you this morning, it is absolutely 100% true that the faith, the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith, the shield of faith is put there by God Himself so that a weakness in any person at any time can be made strong by the faith of Christ. It doesn't have to make sense. It can look like that it's even late. It can be four days late at the tomb of Lazarus. But can I tell you, Jesus may have lost His life, but He never lost the fight. And when He got up on the third day, he made sure that every one of you would not wrestle with the devil in the way we would have wrestled on our own, but that God could then get between the situation. He left himself exposed that God for you may be a shield today. May I ask you this question? Are you holding your faith? Are you holding this shield between you and every situation? And how do you know that this shield is properly held? After all, if you fight for long, you can become weary, you can become tired. And what happens if you've been in the fight for long with this shield of faith is the first thing to get weary is the arm holding the shield. And as soon as this shield goes down for rest, boom. This is why the lukewarmness of a church will never work. The adversary will always get the fiery dart through of a lukewarm church or a lukewarm life. The life has to find itself in a place of being strong in the Lord. You'll never have strength to hold the shield up and putting God in a rightful place in your life, in your marriage, in your job, in your ministry, or wherever He's placed you, unless you've bowed yourself first and become strong in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And the reason we worship when we start this meeting is we want to worship the God, the only one that can make us strong enough to stand against 
the wiles of the adversary. And there are plenty of them on the scene today. What are you wrestling with? What are you wrestling with? Because the tendency is that we could just play church. The tendency we could just kind of figure out how to do it. The tendency is we could just talk about it. And see, what you find out as you assemble yourselves together, it's not all about us. So as I walked into these places this week and weeks before, the first thing I want to do is drop down beside one who's crumbled on the floor, who's been hit so severely that they have a fatal wound. And I want to take the shield that God has given us through Christ Jesus the Lord. And have you ever been in the place where you want to kneel down next to the one that was hit and place your shield between them and their adversary? And the Bible said if you'll bear one another's burdens, you can fulfill the law of Christ. I can take the shield, the faith of God. You see what happened was there was a man paralyzed. I don't know if he was just paralyzed in the body, his faith or everything, but he had friends that beat a hole in the roof and they dropped him down to Jesus. And Jesus didn't respond to him, but responded to the friends and said, because of their faith, he said, thy sins. Are you with me? Thy sins have been forgiven. It matters who your friends are. And I'm asking you a question. Number one, do you have friends like this that would drop you down if you was paralyzed in your faith and had a fatal wound of the adversary? And now the second question is, are you a friend like this? Are you the kind that makes sure you get your best friends and even those who are not your friend and become the Samaritan to them that you would beat a hole in the roof to get them in the midst of Jesus because you know the shield God has given you through the faith you have in Christ Jesus the Lord is enough not only for you but the whole world world amen man it's where are we what will we do this week with this i mean it's so easy to roll around the mind we know that the carnal mind is hatred toward god yet we want to talk to people at times when the enemy's trying to get this fatal wound to our life can we just quit it can we And just come here as we close this service and start worshiping God again and thanking Him for being our shield in every situation. You see, because I see some situations if I'm looking at in the natural and I think to myself, this looks bigger than anything I could do for sure. Are you with me? This looks like bigger than anything, any, anyone in the world. I don't know how, like I'm looking at this naturally, but then man, as you get in the place of prayer, you think this is not too big for God. Like he can really do this thing. Are you with me? And somewhere in our lives, we've got to have known the power of God and the first love of Christ that identified with us in this state of just casualty of, of, of fatal wound by the, I had a fatal wound by the adversary i was this man i didn't look at them thinking oh boy you know i've done well i hope he finds jesus what an arrogant posture i mean i want to be right there stopping the crowd when the beggars on the side of the road yelling out for jesus i want to be there with a blind man getting his sight back i don't know where you're blind today but i've been blind and i may be blind today and unaware of it but i need the grace and mercy of god no preacher in this country is above the ones that he equips you're called by god to be an under shepherd you are the sheep of his pasture he wants to round you up he's got a rod and a staff and one is to correct and one 
run is to keep you. You've got to know that He can run the coyote over the fence and keep the sheep all at one time. God is able. And until we get to a place we can worship, put God in His rightful place, put ourselves behind, and let Him do the job, where's God ever going to get the glory? I can just want to preach. How does this work out practically? Because that's what this country's dying for. The reason they're sending missionaries to America is because the Americanized gospel is a joke. We preach to our own prophet. We preach to our own demise. Amen. It's, this isn't a job. This is a calling. And I want to know what you're called to do. And you'll never be happier than when you get in a spot that you're called to be. You'll never go anywhere in this world if you know the power and the first love of Christ. You'll never go anywhere in the world, run far enough on any side of the world to get away from the thing that you know to be true. If you're called out by God in a specific place to be in His body, and all of you are, amen, then you need to be where God called you to be. Not just to the church, but in the body of Christ, functioning effectively, doing what God made you to do. Out there soul winning, being the salt and light. You may be the toe, I may be the elbow. But with God as the head, is Christ the head of the church? Is He really the head of our church? Now, I'm not preaching podcast out there now. Is He the head of this church? I believe He is. Amen. I've seen enough pruning and changes. Amen. I've seen enough tradition when I came. I would say No. It was the traditions of men making void the Word of God. I know people get mad at me for saying that. It's the truth. The church isn't dead today because Christ is dead. He got up from the grave 2,000 years ago. What's our response? What's our equipping? My humility is, Lord, I've been hit. I've got some spots I've been hit, and I tried to do it myself. I did it by my own strength. I did it by my own will. But today, Lord, I know one thing. I don't only need your shield, but the people I visit this week, they need your shield. And I want to help shield them, Lord. Amen. So we'll repent the next time we go by the corner where someone has a sign up that says we'll work for food. We'll repent of having the thought that, well, you know, I know what they're doing with their money. You do not know what they're doing with their money. Let me tell you that straight up. You do not know because he may be, that may be the only thing he's got. And even if he's deceiving you, God will use the blessing to turn the heart. It's the goodness of God that causes men to repent. Have we come so far that now we can't help the broken? Have we come so far that church in America has become an idolatrous image of business where if the finances are good and the numbers are good, now it's good? No! Jesus had 11 men after He went to the cross. After three and a half years of preaching, He didn't have a mega church. But He had 11 that turned the Roman Empire upside down. And they said about them, when these men come to town, they've turned the world upside down. I'd sure like to see 11 out of Riverton First Baptist Church out there turning the world. Hey, I do know a few in here that turn the world upside down. Amen. 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 They don't quit where they're at. Huh? They're not dying short. You know what Paul the Apostle said as he died? was getting to be a dying man. He knew that his days were marked and numbered. He said, I have fought the good fight. He understood that this was a fight. Your faith is going to be a fight. I just want you to fight correctly with God at the forefront. I want you to know that God is your shield. And He wants you to win the victory. The battle's His, but the victory 
is yours. God has a way of getting between you and your problem and making sure it goes the way he wants it to go and then turning around and letting you clap for joy, having all of the praise sometimes. I don't, but I do it with my children. Sometimes I'll go get everything ready and the worm on the hook and the bobber and I'll throw it right where I know there's a fish at just so Isaiah or Faith will just... Woo! and they think they did it. Amen. God just that way with us. He's the shield. He knocks down the adversary, beats the teeth out of all the things that come against His will. And at the end of the day, He just kind of moves out and says, how do you like that? Amen. So when we worship God, this is kind of like saying to your Father who set you up for goodness and grace and mercy, when you stand up and praise and come to these altars a little bit, maybe you say, oh, I don't need anything. Then you for sure need something. You're miserable, poor, blind, and naked when you get in the state of thinking, I don't need to go to the altar. Or if you sit in a pew and say, I wonder what they did. You need to repent. But what we do is we come up and we say, Father, I thank You that so many times there would have been a fatal blow. And Lord, You have let my life be victorious. You've made us the light of the world, the salt of the earth. But I know I'm not. I'm nothing, Lord. I was nothing then. And I'm nothing now without Christ. But will you take nothing and crucify it on a cross and then put the life of the resurrection power of Jesus in it and let weakness be made strong in you, Lord? Will you take everyone we come in contact with that we have lost hope in and will you ignite in us a new faith, a new shield to pray for them knowing it's not about what they do. What are you going to do with it, Christian? Where are you going to put your shield? Is it is God big enough for you alone? Or is God big enough to love the whole world and give His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe on Him? Amen. If you would, let's just, amen, let's close this up. I want to give you a chance to worship God that way. I want you to bring your pain. And I want you to come here. And if you have come struggling this morning saying, it's too much for me. This was my last shot. I can't take it. Life has delivered its final blow. I thought God was unjust before I got here, but now I see that He is my only hope in this wrestling battle where the adversary would like to fatally wound me. If you've come here this morning knowing, as on the other side, you've come here this morning knowing that for your whole life you've held the shield of faith up and you've stayed in a posture where God was at the forefront. If you know that He's let you be victorious, and because of that, you've humbled yourself before God over and over, then I want you to come. But at all costs, I hope we would all come. I hope that the, the, the stage is not enough, and the front pews are not enough. Because I know one thing for sure, everyone who stays in their pew says, you know, I don't believe God's big enough for me or them then I would ask you, would you come be born again? Not be a churchgoer. I want to know if you're born again. I want to know if you're regenerate, if God's give you a new heart, because He puts a new heart in the saint. And when the heart becomes new, the prayers are new. The world's new. All of a sudden, the worst of situations become the best opportunity for God to do what He does best. He saves souls. And Lord, I thank you as we begin to give an invitation on a message that is so simple, yet so profound. 
God, I worship you alone. You sit high and you look low. And I give an invitation as your mouthpiece today for all who are weary. You see, if you're a saint and you've been fighting the battle in your own strength, you've got to be careful because you'll be wearied in well-doing. Even if you're weary, is no proof you're not a saint. You may be doing wonderfully well, but I'm going to ask you to come to the front and get your strength in the Lord. Go to the source of strength who also becomes your shield. If you say, I've wrestled preacher and I'm losing some battles, I just want you to come give it to him. I'd like to ask as, as people begin to come to the altar, if you have a burden for them, if you have unforgiveness for anybody that's in this church, would you grab their hand today and would you bring them to the altar with you? God will not forgive you if you do not forgive others. The Bible's clear. It's an invitation for all to come and put God between you and your situation. Let God fight the battle. You're wore out. So Jesus said, all you who are heavy laden, come unto me. I want to give you rest. What he said is, if you come to me and put your faith, my daddy's going to get in front of you. You've never seen any of this before. If you bring all your trouble and all the heaviness, and he told the church people, church people, get rid of that heavy load you've got. It don't work. You proselyte men, and you make them three times a child of hell. You're messing them up. Get in the faith of Christ. Put the shield of God in front of you. Father, we thank you that the battle is yours and the victory is ours. Would you stand all over the church? And come to Christ. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And the power of his might.